Hello, and welcome to the Seven Sage Podcast. I'm JY Ping, and on today's episode, I speak with Seven Sager Vanessa, who scored a 173 on her August 2021 exam. Vanessa is an international student from China who attended college in California and is currently applying to law school. We talk about her journey prepping for the test for over two years, taking every prep test ever released, many multiple times, and the particular challenges facing a student with little training in formal logic and critical reasoning. So without further ado, please enjoy. I have Seven Sager Vanessa here with me. Vanessa, welcome to the podcast. Hello, JY. Before we talk about your score, can you just introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us where you are. Where did you go to school? Are you applying to law school this year? I was from China, and I was an international student, and I was in UC Irvine for my undergrad study. And now I'm applying for law school in my second year. Last year, I also applied to law school, but I didn't get in anywhere. So I continue doing this this year. I see. So this is your second year out of college? No, it's basically the third. I was like working plus studying for the LSAT. Right. And you you went to Irvine as an international student. Yeah. What did you study there? I studied criminology law and society. Oh, cool. Is that one major or two? It's just one major. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you were pretty set on law school, even in undergrad. Right. Yeah. Because that's my interest, like law. Yeah. I know it sounds like ridiculous for a lot of people because law (laughs) always sounds like, oh, so boring. A lot of... Hopefully not for listeners of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But like for me, I find them fascinating. So... Great. Awesome. And so I see that you have a lot of LSAT, official LSAT scores on the record. And your latest one is from... August of 2021, so just several months ago, and you got a 173. So first of all, congratulations. That's an awesome LSAT score. But I can see from your record that it certainly wasn't easy to get there. Your first one was back in June of 2019. You got a 160 there. So from a 160 to a 173, that's a hard 13 points to climb. Again, congratulations. I think you're going to have a pretty good cycle with a 173. But let's dive into talking about your, well, your first score of a 160 back in June of 2019. How much had you studied at that point? Were you expecting a higher score or was that, you know, around your PT? Yeah, that's around my PT. I thought it was like even better than my PT score because at that time I wasn't really ready for that. But my parents kind of pushing me to do it because they don't want me to get for like two years because they said that was too long, even if I go working or something because Asian parents, they really want their children to get their academic path, like go all the way to the end and then go to work. It's not the same as a lot of American parents, like children can on and off for a bit. So they pushed me to do it. I wasn't ready. And at that point, I haven't met Seven Sage though. I only read the self-study guide to LSAT. I thought that was the name of the book. I read that through and that helped me a bit for the logic game section, but not much for the reasoning or nor the reading. So fortunately for that test, the logic game section was comparatively easier. And I only have like minus three or four because that was this closed test. So I got all the feedback. Oh, so you can see your score report. Yeah, right. So I got like minus four. That's like much better than I expected on the logic game section. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's 
Yeah, at that point, yeah. You don't hear people say that they got a higher score on their actual test. It's not too common that people say they got a higher score on the actual test. Yeah. But that's really better than I expected. I I just expect like one fifty six or seven or like that. Were you able to appease your super Asian parents with your one sixty? No. <laughs> Something else they want is for you to do better than a one sixty, but they also want you to do it fast. Right. That's kind of a bit stressful because. Yeah, I can I can imagine. Yeah, because LSAT is like come like completely like on the opposite of my expectation for what a test will be like. It's not like test on knowledge or things or memory. There's almost nothing to memorize. I feel like the only thing you can memorize for the LSAT is like I wouldn't even call it memory. It's just habits. You know, if I like logic games, a lot of times you have to have good habits. Right. I guess that's a kind of memory. Yeah. Right. And then after that test, I did another one, which I had the chance to cancel my score after I see it because that was the first transition to the digital LSAT. Oh right. Yeah, the Jin one was the last one I did on the paper. Pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yes, pre-pandemic and pre-digital. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got hybrids, like two test form. I did them all. Right. Right. For the July one, I didn't do much better, so I canceled that score, and I decided to give myself a break. I talked to my parents. Yeah, fortunately, they understood my situation. I told them I really need more time, and they said okay because it's my life. And they said, <laughs> yeah, it, it depends on me. So I say okay, let me just take a break. And then before I return to another test, that's still pre-pandemic though. One of my friends, her name, I think she's also in the community, but I'm not sure if she's doing the Alsa or not. Yeah, she introduced me Seven Sage, the studying platform, because at that time I was eager to find a platform or like anywhere to prepare for the digital form, because at that time it's still pre-pandemic, and I was a really old-fashioned person. I prefer to do all of my notes and reading on paper. It was really scary for me to do the transition to the digital format because I hate reading on a screen. I never do that during my college. I always print everything out to read to take notes, and I was like super. Worry to do the reading on screen, so I decided to give it a try on Seven Sage. It's very fortunate at the time you don't have like a purely test platform. Like I can pay for the test platform to just do the test. I need to purchase the whole package. And then at that time, I was like thinking, yeah, I'll give it a try. Yeah, that's the very beginning of my journey with Seven Sage. With Seven Sage, yeah, that's really like accidental, but it's really fortunate. I have to say that. And that was towards the end of 2019 or beginning of 2020. The end of 2019, I think I purchased it around September. Okay. So as we speak, it is now January of 2022, and your last LSAT score is August 2021. So this is over two years that we're talking about in terms of studying. So that you started with us, and then I see your next score was about a year later, November 2020, about a year after you signed up with us, and you got a 164. So that's an improvement. That's a four point improvement, but not your goal score. So talk to us about that. Like, what was that one year of studying like? Actually, I didn't really study for a year because at that time I was still on and off, and I'm still not sure because I did a lot of prep tests for sure, and I also joined the blind review. It's the time when I'm kind of get deeper into like the foundation of the LSAT. 
was that when I ran the blind review right. groups on Zoom during the or during early 2020? I remember you participated in like almost all of them, if not all of them. Yeah, yeah. Because at that time, I was lucky to have the time to join the blind review, and at that time, I wasn't like studying a lot for the LSAT. But doing the blind review definitely gave me like a concept and like what kind of foundation and basic knowledge the LSAT required. Us to get yeah, especially I think we had some conversation because I always struggle when I was doing some logic game question. Sorry, it's not logic game; it's um LR reasoning question, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I ask you like, hey, do you have any suggestion on this? And do you have any suggestion on that? And yeah, that really give me like an understanding. Like it's very important to got my foundation solid to do the reasoning right. Yeah. I think for logical reasoning, there's nothing fancy. It's just it's all foundations, right? It's all just identifying the premises, the conclusions, the support structure. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's complex support structure, right? Often there's complex support structure. Yeah, that's correct. And you just have to, yeah, and your grammar stuff, right? That's also challenging. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine, especially if um, English is. When did you, I mean? When did you start? Did you learn English? You must have learned English all throughout your education, primary education, before you went to Irvine. Right, but at that point, my English was very. I just learned very basic stuff because in order to come to the U.S. to study, all the foreign students have to pass. It's not pass just to get a score for a test named TOEFL to foreign student to come to the U.S. to study. But that test, it's like nothing like the college life. So when I first came to the U.S., I really struggled my studying and. But you know, when I first enter LSAT studying, it's really like going all that over again. It's like learning a second language again based on a second <laughs> language. Yeah. It's like、yeah. <laughs> the LSAT language is like, oh my gosh! It's really punishing if you're not incredibly like you have to strike this right balance between incredibly precise with the language,、mm-hmm. but also understand where the vague boundaries transition from reasonable to unreasonable. Because the test really does ask you to make assumptions and decide between assumptions that are okay versus assumptions that are not okay. Exactly. Yeah, it's rough. But so during 2020, you said you were studying, but not full time. Were you? I guess was that just like you know because of the beginning, the pandemic, and everyone thought the world was ending. So I guess I'll study a little bit for the LSAT, but I'm not going to commit. <laughs> <laughs> right at that time, I was like, well, maybe take some time to study, but I wasn't pretty sure because at that time, I was like half giving up on getting a really good score. But I think the thing really changed was when I. It's in July 2020. At that point, I think the LSAC just announced that they will do the at-home test because at the beginning of the pandemic, they just cancel all the tests, and I wasn't sure if they will hold it any time near 2020. And yeah, so I was like, I don't know if I should study because the whole world's going to end or something. But I think beginning April 2020, they started to. Hold the online at home through the proctor used to do the test. At that point, I was thinking, hey, yeah, so at home I can sit on my comfortable chair and my own desk, and it's a very comfortable environment. Maybe I can do better this time because there was another very big problem when I went to the test location to do the test was the desk and chair was very uncomfortable. After the test, my back was painful. For a week, 
because the chair was too high, the desk was too low. I have to crunch myself during the whole test for four to five hours. Four sections, five sections. Five sections at that time. Yeah, back then it's yeah. five sections plus a writing sample. Yeah. Okay, so your four point increase did that mostly come from logical reasoning or reading comprehension, or do you know what your breakdown was for the twenty twenty test? Unfortunately, I don't have the feedback because all of them are non disclosed. Based on your prep test breakdowns leading up to it, do you have a sense of, or just your recollection of, you know, do you know where you improved and how you improved? Unfortunately, for November and the January test, the two consecutive one, the November twenty twenty and the January twenty twenty one, that two test was like much lower than my prep test score. That's the one sixty four and the one sixty five. One sixty four and one sixty five. Right. Okay. I was very disappointing. That was the first time I applied to law school. Right. The last cycle with the two scores, I was very unsatisfied. And right. Yeah, because my prep test score, I think it's usually around one seventy to one seventy two. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like shocking when I got the score. I was like, oh no, what happened? And I. But you don't you don't even know, right? Because you don't get the score report. Yeah, they they don't give us the feedback. But at that point, based on my memory, I was very nervous because that's the first digital test at home I was doing, and I got super nervous. And I have I just and my neighbor, their kids, and something they like running around. Even though I have the earplugs, I can still hear like the the floor is like shaking with that kind. <laughs> Oh, your upstairs neighbor. Yeah, it's like distracting. Yeah, that's one problem, and another is that I think the reasoning was like I don't know. I don't think I did well on my reasoning section. On your LR section. Right. Yeah. At that point, after two tests, because those two tests didn't really get any improvement. I think just one point, I would not. Consider it like a big improvement. Yeah, after that two test. Yeah, but it was like very interesting. Is was that for those two tests, I worked super hard from July twenty twenty to January twenty twenty one. I study five to six hours a day for the test. Yeah, and I did all of the practice more than once, especially for the reading and reasoning. Oh wow! Section and I also refined all of the curriculum on Seven Sage because I yeah that's that's useful. And I also like do some refine on those videos to see if I have a problems like on one question. I would do like a refine videos on that topic. Like for example, if I I got some problems on causation. I went back to do the causation section, the curriculum again. Right, the core curriculum lessons on causation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I I study like super hard. Did a lot of prep tests. I did like prep tests every day, but my score didn't improve a lot and a lot lower than my expectation. And after that, I took break from the test, but not from my studying. I just changed my strategy a bit. I don't study a lot of hours a day anymore. I study like two to three hours a day because my next test was scheduled on June, so I have like five months to study. So I 
slow down because I understand that 164 and 165 to apply to law school at the end of January was in a very competitive situation. So I understood that, and I accept maybe, hey, I I will not go to law school in 2021. So I was thinking, hey, why not give me more time until I take the test for the next time? So yeah, I study for five months and two to three hours a day, and I exercise a lot, like <laughs> yoga and like Pilates and like workouts and all sort of things.、Uh-huh. And it turned out like in June, I was like. A lot relaxed when I was taking the test. I don't really being anxious that much, and of course during these five months, although I study shorter every day, but I really think I get concentrate more on what I was learning. I bet. I think it also you're probably seeing the results of your previous efforts, where you know before the five months of two hours a day, you are you said you already went over every PT twice, right? About that point. Right. Yeah. So I mean, like you've already done a ton of studying. You probably, I would guess, you've probably done three times. Like if you put three, three to four average LSAT preppers worth of studying together, you, you probably did more than all of them combined. Yes. By that point already, and then there were still five months of extra studying to go. At that point, I really thought like, hey, how can I study? Because I. I ran out of all the outset material, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah. You had no more PTs. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really big problem for me at that time because, especially for reading, because for reasoning and games, because for logic games, the most interesting is even though I remember everything, I still can't like. Based on my memory to get the right answer, yeah. And for the reasoning, like all of those stimulus are so similar, and even I remember those stimulus and some of the answer choices, I can't just based on my memory to get it right. So that's not like a very big problem for me. And the biggest problem for me was the reading because I've done those readings every single one of them more <laughs> than five times at that time. It's like oh my god. So you basically know a little bit about everything in the world now, right? Yeah, and now like it's like sometimes I was I I thought maybe I was annoying because when I saw something I would tell my friends my everybody like hey do you know blah 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 a fun fact about blah 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 I read in the LSAT and then all of my <laughs> friends think like you're insane like yeah so that's how how I like what I get after like five ish time. Yeah. So, did nobody tell you that you know you, you want to be conservative with your no prep tests, fresh <laughs>、no. prep tests, right? Because <laughs> that's it's a very scarce resource. Once you run out, you you run out. It's yeah. I totally understand that. So yeah, if anyone asks me anything about LSAT now, I would have to tell them the first thing is be very careful about like how you use those prep tests. Yeah, the fresh PTs. Yeah. Yeah, I got like very like I regret. What I've like, I was I was thinking, oh, what I've done because for the reading, there's no way to erase the memory. <laughs> so every every other time I did those prep tests, it's based on something biased. Yeah. So for me, those five months is really to learn what I've missed from what I've done. That's very like reviewing old mistakes, right? 
Right, because it's a very challenging part for me. Because before learning the LSAT, I barely learned any critical thinking that sort of thing. Because my major or my previous study in China doesn't really require any of the critical thinking. Oh, like reasoning, like argument, like argument criticism, like starting from premises and right. Okay, okay, I see. That's so. That that is a wow. That's a brand new and. In- I mean, like, what about your undergrad education at Irvine? Was there a lot of like paper writing or critiquing of arguments that you know scholars have made? It's more about reading and summarizing and commenting on some scholars' opinion, but most of them are based on lectures. So if I did a lot of good note taking, there's no problem for me to do well on it. I see. So th- that's at the level of like kind of regurgitating information that you were presented with, right? That covers a very thin layer of material on the LSAT. That there's a subset of reading comprehension questions that are like based on recognition. Can you recognize what was stated and what wasn't stated? Right. There is a small subset of questions on RC that test that, but most of those, like for RC, most of the questions are about inference. For RC, you have to like it's what you read between the lines, what wasn't said, right? And then like understand the author's purpose. So almost everything on RC is inferential. Part of logical reasoning is inference making. Another part of logical reasoning is actually engaging with argument and critiquing the argument. I can see that that's a whole new type of challenge. Yeah, and before I really take a very deep look into each questions I've missed and I've flagged, yes, because at that point every day I basically just do one section and to deeply analyze the section. So I analyze the flagged question, the question I missed. So it's still a lot to do because yeah, because for each question, it's like I have to analyze everything, and I at that point I was like follow strictly your your instruction to separate the background and the main argument, and after that and do oh like what I do in the videos when I analyze the questions,、mm-hmm. uh, the logical like oh this is context information, this is other people's argument. The main argument starts here. There's got a premise conclusion. So you're just doing that very methodically on the LR stimuli that gave you trouble. Right and yeah, because sometimes the wrong answer choice is that because I make some assumption that the background information has to be connected to the main argument. But interestingly, that's not always the case because some of the questions, though they give a lot of background information, and sometimes even to sway me away from my. Sometimes they are very persuasive, even to give me some new information. Because I'm, I'm really interested in learning something new, and the background information really feeds my desire to do that. Sometimes I will be swayed from what they're asking me to do. So when I enter the main argument, yet they really like they did a really good job to distract、yes. my attention. So yeah, sometimes it's just something that small, that tiny can. Drive me away from the correct answer. So yeah, I learned that from my reflection. Yeah, to very very slowly to do the reflection on each question. Yeah, I learned a lot that from my previous test. That wow, there were a lot of things that I overlooked during my last study period. Yeah, that's like what I've done. Okay, so. Yeah, so it sounds like moving from your 165 score five months later to your 169 score, it was a period of learning about yourself, period of self-reflection, learning about like the kind of mistakes that you're prone to making, and how LSAT writers are able to lure you into these traps. 
Yeah, I think another thing is that I recognize the pattern because in the Alice in the Seven Sages platform, there was a tool, the analytic tools, the analytics. So I also use that because I think that's a very useful tool to look into what patterns do I have. So I recognize I got a lot of. Causation correlation question wrong because at that point I thought I did well on those. So before I used the analytics tools, I didn't really thought I got a lot of correlation causation questions wrong because you got a curriculum solely targeting that. Yeah, I mean it's one of the main biggest thing.、Mm-hmm. Biggest, yeah, the main, main one of the main logical structures is the structure of causal reasoning. Like there are a couple of different types of logic on the LR section.、Uh, conditional reasoning is a big one. Formal reasoning and conditional reasoning, reasoning about sets and subsets and membership in sets. That's all the form. That's all the mapping stuff, the arrows and stuff that people do. But then like that shows up. I was I don't know. Like on any given LR section, there's probably five questions that five to seven maybe that use that kind of reasoning. I think there are actually a lot more questions that just rely on your understanding of causal reasoning.、Mm-hmm. Right? One are associated events cause. So how can you prove causation? Like if you have a phenomenon, how do you decide between multiple hypotheses that purport to explain the phenomenon? Those are all causal questions, right? And then reasoning by analogy is another big one. And then there are a couple of like smaller miscellaneous kinds of generalizing from samples.、Mm-hmm. But anyway, causal reasoning is a huge part of the logical reasoning section. Yeah. So after I got those analyses saying, "Hey, you've got a lot of." Question wrong on that part. So again, I go back to watch that part again, and then at this point, because I was like thinking what I missed compared to my previous review, because it's not the first time I reviewed the video, but it's interesting because every time I watched it, I gained something new. It's not like I got new words or you added anything more on that. It's just like you just have a deeper understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something I take for granted because I remember pretty well. You draw a graph on what's causation, what's correlation, what's the definition on causation. It's have to be one cause another, no alternatives, and it's have to be chronologically one follows the other like that. You got a very big graph. On that, and even though you divided them into different subtopic like causation correlation, but there's like a huge graph going on. I refined your video, and I did that map by myself. It's a big one. Oh, you just like mapped it out from based on based on the video. Yeah. So after I do that in like a holistically, right? That's the word. It's a very big one. I think. Letter paper will be barely enough to obtain all of them, and then after that, every time before I do the causation correlation question, I draw that before I do the question. Oh, so you can you have that structure, you have that like abstract structure in in your mind, right? Every time I draw that before, it's like I have to tell you, I even have one right before my test. On June, I draw that, and then before my test on August, I also draw that before the test begins too. <laughs> well, it's like a ritual. It's like an LSAT logical reasoning ritual. Right. I have to tell you, the causation and correlation part becomes so much easier. A lot of people, even some of my friends, they use Semsage as well. They also did those curriculums, and they most of them do like all of them, or at least watch all those lectures. But I never see any of them draw those. Maps out. 
And when I draw this L, I think I learn a lot from like why this connected to that and what are the differences. And it's really helpful when analyzing those stimulus. After that, all of my correlation causation question becomes so easy. That's the favorite question type of mine. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I have to say that. That's awesome. That's a really big hurdle to overcome. All of logical reasoning is about seeing patterns. So the questions that are formal logic, you know, like always are Bs, some Bs are Cs. Those questions, it's just very easy to see the. I mean, if you're good with conditional logic, it's not too difficult to see the patterns. But with causal reasoning, you know, you could be talking about cholesterol and heart disease on the one hand, and then talking about like additional warmer weather, warmer temperatures causing like some storms on the other hand. So like substantively sounding very different, but the causal structures are nonetheless similar. So and you have to see that. You have to see that because if, that's really the only way to get better and faster and more accurate in logical reasoning is to see these new questions as not. New as just reincarnations of older patterns. In this instance, causal patterns that you've encountered before. Yeah. So after that, like every question is identical to me. <laughs> so it's like super, super easy. Even you, you those like very awesome. yeah, like those very fancy things. When you see a question, it's a lot of information, and the answer choices are very long. For that, I was like, got so exciting because I know a lot of people can do that, but I can't. Like that. <laughs> That's a good feeling, right? You can, you can like you see that. Oh, this is a curve breaker question. I know what they're, they're but I, I think I see what the answer is. Yeah. That's that's a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. For those formal logic, just like you said, a lot of people they will draw those graphs and maps because that has to be done to memorize some whole, some all, and right those quantifiers. But for the softer causation, correlation, and some other things and、like、assumption questions, no one really will like draw those graphs again because most of them think it's just for illustration for lectures. But that has to be one of your purpose. But for me, it's like, hey, what about if I recreate those based on my memory? And that really helps a lot. I think that's incredible. I th I think that's that really exemplifies how serious you're taking your the whole process of like understanding your mistakes and fixing your mistakes and truly getting a handle on what's going on. I bet you, you know, I I, I do this too, right? I'll watch a video explaining a concept that I don't understand, and then after I watch it the first time, if someone asks me like, "Hey, what did you just watch?" I mean, I probably can tell you like maybe fifty percent of the content that was in there, right? Because it, it just reflects that yes, you've you've watched the video, but you don't really get it. Of course, I'm not being tested on this stuff. Yeah, I just watch. I just passively watch it. So I think like what you you realize that, and then you're you're just like telling yourself, okay, well that's not good enough. I need to be able to see if I can regurgitate this stuff, recapitulate the reasoning structure. And yeah, I mean when I write out those causal diagrams, those causal maps, it's partly for illustration purposes to better communicate this information to the students, but it is also to Force myself to have a clear understanding of what's happening because I don't have that in my mind until after I put it down on paper or digitally on screen. Only after I do that do I really have a clear understanding of what's actually happening. So I, I I've said this before, but like I think writing stuff out and in this case you know drawing out the maps that's just a superior mode of thinking than quietly thinking about it in your head. So it's 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 a lot more time consuming. <laughs> but that works it. <laughs> but it works. Yeah, it works, and, and it's how you get better at this, and then. The more you do it, the less you'll have to do it. The more and more you do it, the less and less you'll have to do it. Because like when the clock is ticking on the actual LR section, I don't map stuff out that much. Like maybe I'll map out two questions. Maybe if the logic is really confusing for me, maybe I'll map it out. But okay, that's great. You know, in June, yeah, you got a one sixty nine, which. I'm sure you're like mixed mixed feelings about that. Like it's it's the highest score you've gotten, and it's almost there. But I'm guessing it's still below your PT, right? 
but it's still 160-ish. But it's not really about the score because I was still thinking my target score was like our top 14. So I don't think 169 is a very competitive score, especially I don't have a very competitive GPA. My weakest point is my GPA. I really can't risk my LSAT score because that's the only thing I have. I have to say that. I was thinking I still have time. It's still pretty early for 2022 application cycle. Right. 2022 cycle. I was thinking, yeah, why not just give it one more try? Because one another question, another problem I was also concerning was the times, like how many times I took the LSAT when the law school looking into my profile. Because that was that is still like a concern for a lot of students. But I also ask a lot of people. Yeah, I also even ask my tutor. Oh yeah, I have a tutor, Jonathan. <laughs> He's my tutor. Jonathan Wang? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, he was tutoring my mostly reading because that was my weak part that I can't crack on my own. So yeah, I asked for his help. Yeah, he's very helpful too. That's awesome. Yeah, I asked his advice on whether I should take another LSAT test. His advice was if you get a better score, it will outweigh your disadvantage of taking that many times. So he said, yeah, why not just give it another try? So I was thinking, yeah, sure. Yeah, and then I gave it another try. And yeah, thanks for that try. Yeah, that was two months later. You got a 173. Yeah. I I think so. That makes sense. I mean, four four scores, five scores, (laughs) you know tomato tomato <laughs> but a 173 is a big difference it's better than yeah better than because mm-hmm. 173 clears the median for a lot of the t14s so that makes you quite competitive yeah so i, th- I think that's definitely worth it uh, at the expense of uh, one more administration one more official score on your record well but i am not sure because i'm still waiting for my results but for now i was like i because i applied very early the cycle i submitted and completed all my application in September. So that's considered uh, super early, but this cycle is extraordinarily slow, I have to say. I only got like four results back and three of them was waitlist and one was rejection. So I don't know, I have mixed feelings on this. Maybe it was my GPA because I only have a 3.5-ish GPA. So that's a very disadvantage for those top 14 schools. Yeah. Right. Well, you still have a lot of time. It's only January. It's early. I mean, I remember I didn't hear when I applied 100 years ago to law school. I didn't hear back until like April. Wow. Yeah. That's a long way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a long time ago. <laughs> but you still have a lot of time and you still have a lot of schools to hear back from. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Still waiting. So. Yeah. What a journey from June of 2019 to August of 2021, 160 to 173. If you could go back in time and tell yourself, tell your younger self some advice, <laughs> what would you say to make this process, I don't know, to maybe like make it make it a little less, um, make it a little bit more of a smoother ride? First advice, as I said, never use your PD extravagantly. <laughs> right. Never. Right. Conserve your PTs. Yeah, because when I first started, I thought there was like 90, at that point is 80 something PD. I was thinking, yeah, I got a lot and I was a lazy person. I don't think I can finish all of them when I took the LSAT. But, you know, people changes and ambitions will go higher and higher. And at that point, it's like I don't have enough PT. And so just save them for 
really useful purpose, not just relaxing and doing something to do the PT. That's that's really you will not want to do that. Were you taking too many PTs just to kind of see where your score was at? No, it's just for like when I was thinking, wow, I want to study a bit for today, so why not just do a PT or do a section? Oh, I see. So you want it? So it was like a way to complete your study requirement, right? Just to like, hey, I study today. You were really disciplined. I mean, I feel like most people would just be like, whatever, <laughs> I'm just not going to study. But <laughs> so you were really disciplined about like meeting your quota, meeting your work quota. But and you thought, what should I do to meet my work quota? I guess the easiest thing I could do is just to take another PT, right? So that that's how you got through. I see, and that's a big change from your last stretch of studying, where because you had no more PT, so you had to do the really hard work of reflecting and really understanding where your mistakes are coming from. Right, and especially the reading section. Yeah, I feel like you've done it all. I feel like you've you've like sort of inhabited different modes of studying and like kind of sampled the spectrum there. Yeah, it's like another personality for each period I study. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> were there times where you were kind of dispirited and you were thinking like maybe this isn't right for me? Because you know the whole thing lasted, your whole studying lasted more than this whole journey lasted more than two years. I mean, were, your parents were cool with it, or were you like they were not? <laughs> they were not <laughs> they were cool not with cool. it at all. Okay. <laughs> Because for Asian parents, they think I was like too old to do school like that. Even though I was just twenty-ish, <laughs> but they think you should finish your study at the end of twenty-five or something. But oh, I see, I see. But like the average, the average student, incoming student, one out at these T fourteens. I think, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm talking on my butt, but I think it's like minority is straight through, right? Majority is not straight through. Right. But they are like Asian parents. They don't really, they don't because care. my parents never, never study in the US. So they don't understand it. Yeah. I see. Yeah. That's another very tough communication problems because I have to explain to every like American convention and norms and all sort of thing in law schools. That's Completely different from their understanding in Chinese culture. So yeah, I just have to persuade them, give me more time. Last year was the most tough year for those communication because they really think I. My mother even said you have to go to law school next year, which is this one, twenty twenty two. She said you have to. But at that point, I was like, I I was saying okay, I will go to law school if a law school give me an offer. Right, <laughs> like right, play right. this little trick, and he said, "Like okay, last year based on my score, I only applied to six law schools. Two was like around thirty, the rankings around thirty, and four of them are T fourteen. I understand it's very little, tiny chance for me to get in T fourteen. I apply late and not very competitive. And for the thirtyish school, they waitlisted me, but I with." Drew from the waitlist, so no school gave me offer. I have to go on. <laughs> That's so you have no I, choice. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I have. I told my mother I have no choice. Like no one gave me offer. So yeah, that's how I gain more time to study for another half a year. So after I got my June score, I think my parents are were satisfied because I told them it's a ninety six percentile. Yeah. So I was like better, like my score is better than ninety six test taker. 
And they said, "Wow, that's very impressive." And at that point, they thought I was too stressful to all of the process. And they said, "Just do whatever. Just apply to a school. Like, see if they accept you. Don't like go pursue too high a goal to stress yourself too much." But for me, at that point, the LSAT was like a pleasure for me. I hate to say <laughs>、oh、that,、God. but I really <laughs> fall in love like doing LSAT. At that point, I just I didn't even tell my parents I I registered for the August test. They didn't know I registered for it. I just told them I was waiting to apply and I was doing all of the application materials beforehand. And they said okay. And so after my August score release. Afterwards, I told them I took the test and I got one seventy three, and they was like, "Wow!" They said you really shouldn't do that because they said it's too stressful because one sixty nine. They think it's not like a lot of place for improvement, and there is still a chance for getting a lower score. Right? They thought it was too risky. Yeah, but I said whatever. <laughs> like I took it. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I think it's incredible. I don't know where you found the strength, the resolve to stay committed on this path. Especially, you know, like a lot of people, I've talked to students where, with very understanding, supportive parents or just friends or close family members that you know emotionally, psychologically lend support. I mean, it sounds like you not only had to convince yourself, you had to convince your parents that this was worth it. That's a、uh, kudos to you for having the strength to stay committed to this. And I mean, I think your law school cycle will be fine this year, but whatever happens, I think this is a tremendous personal victory that you proved to yourself that you set your mind to do this and you did it. What did it feel like when you got your score back? Yeah, I didn't sleep that night. I would wait <laughs> until I get the score because I lived in California, so it will be five forty-five a.m. in the morning when the score started to release. Yeah, I was like watching a Double Seven movie and waiting for that, and then I saw like, wow, my score came up like. I scream like in, in the morning of five a.m. Yeah, I was like, oh, finally one seventy something. So from the June to August, that period, all my prep test score is like one seventy five to one seventy eight. I understand those scores aren't really because they're retakes. Means anything? Yeah, it's all those retakes. Yeah, some of them I know the answer, but I force myself. Yeah, there is another point. Like whenever you think you remember. Remember a question or an answer choice. Don't just circle it because you remember it. I will force myself to go over all those steps to the analysis to get to that. That's another thing I've learned from retaking PT. Like, what's a useful way to retake a PT? Because most of the people will have different degrees of memories on any of the PT they've done. So it's a very useful way because some people will think, "Hey, I know this, and I know I understand it because I done it right last time." But there is no guarantee you would. Do it right the next time, based on my experience. Sometimes I still do some questions wrong, especially those some question I hesitate between like A and B or B and C. The next time I will still hesitate, and at that point, that's a very good exercise to do. When I hesitate, I will ask myself why I think this one is 
okay and this one is not okay. So based on that understanding, I would choose the answer at that point based on that understanding, not my previous understanding. So no matter what, no matter if if it's right or wrong, I still learn something. And at that point, I really don't think getting one answer correct is my goal because at that point, I've done so many. So one more wrong, one more right. Wasn't really matters a lot, but learning from that process is really treasure for me. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's exactly the right attitude. It's not results oriented. It's just process oriented, and you get no matter what happens, whether you get it right or wrong, you learn something about how you reason, how you think about, how you analyze these questions. And also for reading, because I saw in the forum that some people ask, "What if I run out of PT?" Especially in the reading. For me, because I run out of it like for more than three times, so I I have to <laughs>、yeah. be an expert on that. Yeah. So um for that, I not only run out of like because a lot of people only do like sixty PD sixty to ninety like that. For me, that's like from PD one to PD nineties something. I ran out. So for me, after I ran out and I still. For reading, I really struggle a lot because apparently I was like, it's my second language, English, and some of those when people use some of those writings, I'm not familiar with. I sometimes will get like a wrong idea on that. That's one of the biggest problem for me. But fortunately, for most of the other students, they won't have this problem because apparently English is their mother tongue. For next another question, I was struggling with was which method I would use. For doing the test, because there are tons of methods online, and even in seven stage, like the structure reading method, there are lots people are teaching. So which should I use? Because for me, I basically experiment with them all. Like not all, I can't say all because that's not very professional for. People are taking LSAT. We never say like all.、Oh. So like <laughs> a lot of them, I would say a lot of them, including some method like don't take notes because it's too time consuming. I even tried one like for me that's some somewhat ridiculous method, but I still try it. I saw one people in on the website or in the, on the forum said, "Oh, you only read the first sentence of a paragraph and then you <laughs> read the last sentence、oh、of the paragraph." Who said then, that? We need to ban that person's account. That's <laughs> yeah, not okay. I, I, that's so absurd, but I still try it. I have to. I have to tell you, still tried it. The person said, "I got one eighty." That doesn't mean they got 180 because of that. They probably could have gotten a 190 if they didn't use such a silly method. Yeah, at that point I was so desperate, and I I would try anything to see if that works. So I also tried that, but apparently that's that's not gonna work. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. and yeah, before that I was using the structure method. To do that, but I was like a bit too slow for the actual test because I really have a, have a habits on writing things out. Apparently, I will run out of time on reading section because there are like sometimes the materials are very dense and a lot of informations are popping out like new and some even attract my focus. Some of those interesting things out there. So that's when I started to struggle. Hey, maybe I should get a tutor to target my question because this one I really can't to figure it out by myself. So I find I、and、found that's where Jonathan. Jonathan yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Yeah, and then after 
the diagnosis session I have with him, he still recommend me to do the structural, the method that you teach on the curriculum. Making like low resolution structural summaries of the paragraphs and then threading them together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's very useful. So for most of the people who doesn't have a super eidetic memories, just stick to that. That's really, really helpful when doing those outline question like global questions some of the people said I, I think i told i mean obviously i think so because it's what i teach but i just feel like you can't really say you understand a passage if you can't tell me what the overall structure of the passage is right right like what you can say is you, you you can regurgitate random bits of information that may be true that may be accurate that may be detailed but okay how are these pieces of information connected to each other how are they related to each other the author is not just you know scattershot giving like here's a piece of information here's another here's not no there's a narrative to it all right it's all connected that's why you have to focus and it's not natural to focus on the structure if anything it's unnatural to focus on the structure you have to force yourself to do it and a lot of the questions penalize you until it gets to become habit. Reward you, yeah, until it becomes a habit, right? And then you'll see that it's it shows up everywhere. It's not just like oh, you know, I can oh, if you do this, you'll be able to immediately get you know five out of eight questions correct. No, it's not like that. Like sometimes it just shows up where you're looking at a question and you can eliminate three answers because they're just low res wrong. They're just at the low resolution level. They're just not even right. So that's fast. That produces the benefit of giving you handing to you like thirty extra seconds now. You can use those thirty extra seconds how you want. So that's where, yeah, so I'm glad to hear that you, you were able to make improvements on RC. But I, I guess you don't really know what your 173 consisted of in terms of like which question. Did they even tell you which question, how many questions you missed? Unfortunately, no. But fortunately was that the test I took, when I took the actual test on in August, there are like very bad connection problems with ProctorU and they can't even talk to me anymore. So I have to reschedule my test in seven days from the test day. So I took, what's that called? Like a retest for the August. So I basically have to do it again. For that test, I get my score. It was from the retest, but the retest was the newly released prep test. So I was able to do it again on the law hop. I've got a basic understanding of... Sorry, I was trying to understand what you're... So, okay, so you're telling me that the August test that you took was later released as a prep test on LawHub. Right. Oh, I It's newly released. I don't remember it's 90 or 91 or something because it's the... Yeah, that's a very... Um, I have to say it's very fortunate because I, ha- I can do it again. I can see the test. I got 173, obviously. It's forever on the LawHub. <laughs> I can tell people, hey, this is this is like a like Just kidding. For that test, I saw. I also read some people's comment. It's super. The reasoning is very hard. Yeah, for me, that's very hard. But the LR section was hard. Right, but the lucky point was there are tons of correlation. I love that. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, which is what most people find is is difficult. Right. Yeah, I can't remember. I think it's like nine or ten correlation. Wow. It's insane because I remember from after 20, all of them are, one of them are necessary and other are like all of weaken, strengthen, exchange. I was like, I got thrilled. Like, wow, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So that was lucky for me. Yeah. Yeah. That prep test kind of played to your, to your particular strengths then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the reading, I can remember. But I don't think my reading was particularly well because at that day, I had a bad headache. Unfortunately, the reading section was the last. So I don't really think I did very well on that. I think for reading, for those of who are taking notes during their reading, just take 
those structural notes will be enough because apparently there is not enough time to do all the notes for everything. Yeah, I don't take notes when the clock is ticking. Like under actual timing conditions, all the note taking happens in my head.、Mm -hmm. I still take notes. I still take notes because I'm not a very. I have to write things down in order to visualize it. How how much would you write? For me, one paragraph. I will use less than ten words. It's not just like writing a sentence. It's like really like you're taking notes when you're when I was in college class. Just I will put paragraph one, like number one, and then intro, and then I will also I will do a dash. I don't know other people's preference, but for me, dash really helped instead of vertically putting things one and then next. Lined example next line like that for me is like a dash and then horizontally will help me more. I will say intro and then I dash if it follows by an example say eg and then dash like yeah dash like all along. So it's better for me to whenever they ask me a detail, it's easier for me just for me personally to go back to the place to find it again. When I did the actual test, I would do those whole paragraph thing, whole passage thing. I don't do one in the left column, the paragraph, and write the question. I would just read them in the whole screen first. So yeah, so that's kind of helping me. I see. I see. So you, when you you're saying on the digital tester, right, the actual test, you don't do the split column view、mm -hmm. where you see paragraph on the left and question on the right. You actually just make the paragraph take up the entire、right. screen. I see. So you can really focus on the passage. That's really good. Yeah, that's really good. I like that. And after that, so I basically do ninety percent of my work here, and then after I read the passage, I have to reflect a bit. Yes. I will force myself to at least write one or two words for main point. I understand a lot of people don't do that because the clock is ticking. There are tons of questions waiting. Yeah, and for that, I also do the paragraph with the most questions first. Oh, okay. Like if I have like a A question first, then I will do this one first, and then the fewer the question, the later I will do it because I will have less stress on. That's a good strategy. So you take the timing strategy and you apply it to reading comp at the level of the passage. So you'll do like passage three first, and then you jump back to passage one, and then maybe to passage four, and then two. Yeah, basically just see the number because it's very clear in on the bottom. Right, they're like clustered. Right, right, right. After I I finish reading the passage. I'll just go to the question. For most of them, I don't even need to go back to reread any of the thing. That's how you know you're doing reading comp right on your timing on, on the analytics. If you see your timing data for RC, high scores tend to spend a good chunk of time on the passage, and then the questions just fly by really quickly. If you ever need to go back to the passage, that's already your first sign that this question is difficult for you, and you're in a little bit of a trouble here. You might be in danger already. So, like when you've done your structural summary well, when you you know sort of thought about these. Issues of how are these paragraphs related? What the main point is? It shows up when you just fly through the questions. Right. Yeah. After reading a lot of passages, sometimes I even get like a sense. It's not like a for starter thing, but after I read a lot of lot of LSAT passage, sometimes I will get a sense of maybe there will be an analogy question here or <laughs> something because they are all just like functional, like a label, like right. 
This thing is similar to that, so people use that to recreate this. And then, if that happens, very likely there will be an analogy question happening there. Yeah. Nice. So you you're able to kind of get a sense of patterns emerging from even the RC section as well. Yeah, for reading, basically for me, take notes and don't look back. <laughs> If you don't need to, really, sometimes people—it's really easy for people to when they try to go back to the passage for details, they will sometimes overread lines. They will read basically the question just asking three lines, for example, seven to ten. Most of the people will have a habit reading afterwards for a few lines to like an insurance for like. I see, maybe, and it's it's yeah, just yeah, not yeah, a yeah. good use of time, right? Yeah, and for reading time is have to be very have to be very sensitive to that. So after I finish one、um, passage, I will go check the clock for one times. I I don't really see the clock much for games and reasoning. I literally don't really check that much. But for reading, I will at least check four times because there are、uh, three times. Sorry, three times because there are four passages. For comparative passage, I really struggle with that at first, and for that, I have to say I use a slightly different strategy than what you taught in the core curriculum. Because in the core curriculum, you are you teach us to do them separately, including the question. But for me, it was like a bit too time consuming for me to do that.、Mm. So after I tried a lot of. I did a lot of passages to read them and do the questions separately versus I read both passages at one time. But take notes, not just read them. Take notes. Notes are always separate. Main points are always drawn at the end of a passage, and then I do the question all at once. So I basically kind of like saving time for deducing. The stimulus for author A versus author B, like that. Sometimes I use more time than I should by doing that. By combining them, it saved me some time. So I did that instead, and it turned out to be okay. But your methods, yeah, it's definitely good for understanding each author's arguments, like that. Because for comparative paragraph, it isn't really about structure. It's more like about the arguments going on. For starter, I definitely recommend doing that. And if it happens to anyone who doesn't really have enough time for doing that in the actual test, maybe they should try combining it to see if that works better. Yeah, I mostly recommend separate because I feel like it improves accuracy. I'm not sure if I don't know how much extra time it costs and whether that extra time that it costs is worth the improvement in accuracy. But if you don't have problems with sort of keeping information siloed between author A and author B. Then reading them together all at once is fine. The separate reading method is just a guaranteed way that you won't allow cross contamination. Right. But towards like towards the end of your prepping for the LSAT, were you feeling comfortable with RC timing, or was it still a bit rushed each section? It's always rushed. I have to say. I never experiencing like, hey, I can sit there relaxing, waiting for the time to tick to the end. No, never. Always struggling. Even at the end, I still have one or two minutes left. I was still not very comfortable because for reading, whenever I flag a question, it doesn't mean that I can go back and check because that's a passage problem, not just a questions problem. So there must be something wrong when I read the 
passage for reading. I have to say, I I haven't figured it out like to be totally confident even toward the end of my study. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still working on that because I understand for law school, reading is the main task. <laughs> yeah, you just have to read a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I also enjoy reading, but yeah, I'm still like improving my ability to read it more like efficiently because for me, reading is more like a thing I enjoy doing myself, not strategically doing that. So I'm still improving on that. Right, not just not just as an instrumental improvement to get a better score on LSAT, but something you actually in and of itself enjoy doing. That's great. I mean, I'm really excited to hear how your cycle plays out. I'm very optimistic. Whatever happens, I'll keep you updated. If I have good <laughs> yeah. news, <laughs> yeah, definitely keep keep me updated. But again, you know, I, I just want to say a big congratulations on your awesome score, and more than that, just. On the, you know the dedication and the improvement that you made over two more than two years、mm-hmm. of prepping for this that's really incredible and I I, I think it's it's quite inspiring. Yeah, and now I basically just waiting for the result and also studying because I also got the law school curriculum package, so I've already getting started. Oh, you're 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 watching、yeah. the videos on like introducing like crim law and civil procedure and all that stuff. Yeah, because that's a very good way to spend my time. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that's very interesting. I'm so happy to hear. I'm so happy to hear that. Well, thank you so much, Vanessa. Yeah, no problem. All right, take care.、Mm-hmm. Bye. Hi again. I hope you'll take some inspiration from Vanessa's story to pursue your own goals, whatever they may be. Her determination and her incredible discipline is something I think we can all try to emulate. At the end of our conversation, Vanessa was talking about Seven Sages Law School Explained course. That's a short course we developed with law professors from law schools like U Chicago and Duke to condense the 1L curriculum to give you a broad understanding of the main legal concepts that you'll further refine with your professors and classmates in your 1L classes. If you're curious, check out some free lessons on sevensage.com/lawschool. That's it for this episode. Please take care of yourself, and see you next time.